Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about classical antiquity and culture and books and old things and, you know, just that kind of that stuff. Uh-huh. Yep. Classical stuff. Classical it's perfectly, stuff. perfectly named. Yep. Um, my name is Graham Donaldson, and I am here with my colleagues, Mr. Arthur Jan Hannenberg. That's me. And Mr. Thomas Magby. Hello. And we are teachers... Uh, and lovers of classical things, and we talk about it every week to you. Things like art, music. I don't know. I'm not going to keep going. You know, if you're here, you know what's going on. I hope so. Um, <laughs> this could be someone's first <laughs> or episode. This though. could be your first time. Yeah. And this is your first time. And like, this is a standard that you should grow accustomed to. <laughs> this um, kind of intro is that oh what you're God. So this is part two of an episode that Hengberg's been working on on Cinderella. No, Cinderella. 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 Good She's old. a princess? Is that the... Nicholas uh, the Bernardo. Prince. The prince. Sorry, the I got prince. confused. You were so close. I got confused. You were so close. Um, uh, Machiavelli, this is like how to murder friends and influence people. No, yes. what, what was the name of the episode? Oh, was it... Uh, yeah, wasn't it how to murder friends and influence people? Something like that. So. Yeah. It was great. Yep. Uh, and we had a quiz bowl, and turns out that Hannah, sorry, that Megby and I are not too dastardly. I'm more dastardly, though. I don't know. Did you win? Yes. Oh. Uh, yes. Nice try it. Rewriting history, but yeah, I won. You get another shot at it today. Kind of retcon, yes. retcon everything. Do we go in with our points from last time? Or? Oh, no, it's, it's uh, clean, new clean game. slate. That seems clean fair. slate. New game. That seems Look fair. at that. The mercies are new every morning. <laughs> Hannenberg's mercies yes. are new? Yeah, that's really kind um, of new. So, Hannenberg, Mostly take it away. my memory is terrible. Take it away, <laughs> Hannenberg. Let's talk about how to like have an iron grip on the week. <laughs> okay. Well, wow. With that setup, how could this episode fail to be good? Exactly. So again, I am talking about a fella named Niccolo Di Bernardo de Machiavelli. And if you are interested in who he is and what his life was like and what's going on, you should probably listen to the first episode. It should yes. be one or two episodes ago. Yeah, come on. So go back and check that episode out before you dive into this one. Or, you know, if you just don't give a rip and you're one of those yeah. freewheeling podcast listeners, you know. Throw caution to the wind. Don't tell them what to do. Dive in now. Yeah, do what you want. Like, you're a free agent. Listen, uh, this is a free product. You can pay for it. You can listen to both at the same time. Yeah, one for each ear, right? You got two ears. Why not? Go for it. Yeah. Okay, so he was born in 1469 in Florence, and he served in the government, and then lots of crazy coups happened, and he served in the government, and then served in the government again, and then got sort of deposed and tortured and sent to a farm, and then eventually served in the government again. And that whole time, he was sort of trying to claw his way back to notoriety, and he was only moderately successful, and eventually he wrote this book called The Prince, which was dedicated to some, what's the name? The Medici. Medici. Some Medici brothers. And the guy he actually wrote it for kicked it pretty early and it didn't actually give him a chance to rise in power. And it was only published, I think, posthumously. So it never really paid off how he wanted it to pay off. Right. But it has sort of become this almost villainized book. And he I, I tried to look up as much of the reception as I could. And people have been villainizing this book and him almost since the beginning because what he is advocating for here is... Prudence, right? Right. Just total practicality, practical ruling and or pragmatic. That's the word I'm looking for. It's kind of like if you've ever watched House of Cards, Mm -hmm. it's how that guy rules. Mr. Mm -hmm. Underwood, he is a pragmatist. He does what is necessary, whether it is good or bad or whatever. Whatever will get him power and keep him in power is the key. And that's kind of where Machiavelli is coming from. That show bummed me out. Yeah, Yeah, with good reason. It's depressing. And never seen it. Sorry. Don't. 
Don't not don't start. Not worth no. it. It's rough. Okay. It, I mean, it's it's this in practice almost. And for that reason, because it is different than many rulers before who had advocated virtue in the ruling class, right? You should be honest and you right. should be brave and you should be all these things. Machiavelli said, nah, well, maybe, but do the stuff that is actually going to bring you power and help you to rule your country. And for that, he's villainized. Sure. So, so in the last episode, he said there are certain circumstances where being the noble, virtuous person is to your benefit. Right. Absolutely. But even then, it's just for pragmatic reasons. Sure. You're it, like faking it. Yeah. So today, we, we talked last time about how to best sort of run a principality if you've just got it, right? How to conduct yourself in war and wartime and even a little bit in peace. Turns out best time thing to do in peace is go hunting. <laughs> Who knew? Sure. Yeah. And so today Not we us. are moving into how a ruler should conduct himself as regards his own country. Right, that thing that he is ruling in order to best stay in power. And here's where we get to the virtues and vices of the ruler and how those will affect how he rules. So the first thing is I'm going to read a chunk of chapter 15 in this. It's really short. It's maybe a little over a page. Okay. There- I'm not even going to read that whole thing. The chunk I've read, I'll read is about a page long. And I'm reading it because it sets up the foundation that the rest of the book is kind of based upon, right? It's here is my logic for how people are sort of supposed to run themselves. The title of this is on the things for which men and especially princes are praised or blamed. And I'm going to skip the first little, little bit and jump in middle of the first paragraph. Many have imagined republics and principalities for themselves, which have never been seen or known to exist in reality. For the distance is so great between how we live and how we ought to live that he who abandons what is done for what ought to be done learns his ruin rather than his preservation. Because a man who wants to make a profession of goodness in everything is bound to come to ruin among so many who are not good. Therefore, it is necessary for a prince, if he wants to preserve himself, to learn how not to be good and to use this knowledge and not use it as necessity dictates. That paragraph is incredibly important. He says, look, a lot of writers, a lot of writers talk about these countries that they imagine as really good places, but we've never actually seen in real life. What right. we see in real life is that man is full of toots. Like we're all jerks. Okay. None of us are good. And if you want to be good, you will quickly come to ruin because everyone else is evil. Right. So you have to figure out how to use evil for your good if you want to stay in power. Okay. Sounds horrible, right? That flies almost in the face of everybody else that has written before and why he is partially villainized, right? right? Continuing on. Leaving aside then the things that have been imagined about the prince and discussing those that are true, I say that all men, when they are spoken of, and especially princes, because they are placed at a greater height, are judged for some of those qualities which bring them either blame or praise. And this is why one is considered liberal, another miserly. I'm going to skip a little parenthetical here one is considered a giver another rapacious one cruel another merciful one treacherous the other loyal one effeminate and cowardly the other fierce and courageous one humane the other hardy one lascivious the other chaste one straightforward the other cunning one hard the other easy one serious the other frivolous one religious the other incredulous and so on i know that everyone will admit that it would be a most praiseworthy thing for a prince to have of all the qualities mentioned above those that are held to be good But since it's impossible to have all of them and to practice any of them completely because the human condition does not permit it, 
it is necessary for him to be sufficiently prudent so as to know how to avoid the infamy of those vices which would lose him the state, and if he can, to guard himself against those which might not lose it for him, although if he can't, he can indulge them with less concern. And further, he need not worry about incurring the disgrace of those vices without which it would be difficult for him to save the state, for if everything is carefully considered, it will be found that something which seems a virtue would, if practiced, become his ruin, and some other thing which seems a vice would, if practiced, result in his security and well-being. Right? So if you can have the goods, use them if it helps. Right. And if you have vices, well, try to practice the ones that don't make you famous for being a jerk. Okay. And in some cases, practicing a vice, something that seems a vice, will right. actually help you to uphold the state. So you got to know right from left here. Will he go through and say which ones, which, which are the good, vi- which are the okay vices to have? Yeah, he kind of jumps in and says, here is how you need to conduct yourself. And that's why this second part is so much different than the first. The sure. first is basically, how do you govern and where do you send your troops and who do you ally right. yourself with? This is how do you conduct yourself? Okay. And how do you sort of set up those vices? So did that, that all make sense? It sure. does. He just sort of presumes a certain amount of like objectivity or uh, of the of the of the subject like he assumes that the person has the ability to like take an objective view of themselves and be like oh mm-hmm. i have the vice of of drunkenness well that's not too bad whereas yeah. people whereas some you know most drunk people are like i'm not drunk what are you talking right. about yeah exactly you you need to know what vices you have and then the ones that are kind of okay well they're kind of okay. Yeah, like he, you can indulge them without, I think drunkenness would be the, one of those ones of a king where people would kind of be okay with it so long as you didn't do it during the daytime. Yeah. Right. So like he, but he presumes or presupposes that the prince has the ability to like look no. at himself objectively right. and not lie to himself about right. his faults and his, and his um, glories. He presumes a certain amount of wisdom mm-hmm. and it'll become clear later why he presumes a certain amount of wisdom mm-hmm. in the king. Okay. Right. Okay. So now it's time for quiz game. You guys ready for quiz game? Yeah. Back into quiz bowl? Yeah. Born ready. Okay. Should a leader be miserly or generous? Ding, 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 ding. Okay, Graham. Miserly. Miserly. We talked about that last time. Okay, yes. So this is a little bit of review. It is better to be miserly rather than generous because being generous as you should, which is doing it in, doing it in secret, doesn't really bring you a whole lot of gain. Right. Right? So you got to do it publicly, and that means big celebrations, and those are just going to waste your wealth. And generosity is one of those virtues that quicker than any other virtue wastes itself to nothing. Right. Because the more you practice it, the less you can practice it. That's right. So it's better to be miserly, keep your money, and then you can provide well for your people rather than taking their money once you run out of everything after throwing them a whole bunch of parties. Yeah. After Thomas lovingly gives gives me a slice of cake and I enjoy <laughs> it and think, you know, happy thoughts towards yeah. him. He, day, he a day passes and I want more cake. I was yes, exactly like, right. you know. And I have no cake, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when I come demanding cake from Thomas, he, Look, he, he ain't got no more cake to, to give. And, and right. my goodwill has melted back into my sort of ordinary life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So miserliness is better. You okay. got to keep it, right? Keep that cake. That doesn't mean being rapacious. That doesn't mean stealing money from your people. It means okay. keeping the money that you have, right? Gotcha. Not giving it away freely. Okay, do we want to actually award a point for that since we talked about it last time? Or is that just a review point? A point each? doesn't matter. Oh, is the first person who dings in? Is this how we're doing it this time? No, I just dinged in. Oh, okay. Uh, should we have the bell to the part of it? Oh, please no. Last time we just had it where we both gave an answer. But you always give the opposite answer. Uh, no, that's not, that's sometimes not I went first. Okay, we'll uh, we'll give maybe an extra point for whoever says it first if you both nice. say the same answer. Okay. Okay, okay so Graham, you're going to get uh, two points until you get yeah. one. I accept it. I'm just worried all of our students are like going to be copy and pasting this episode talk, with us talking about cake. 
It's going to be like, whatever. We make, haven't yet had memes. anybody do a soundboard That's of true. our podcast. Yeah. Okay. Until this episode. Until, Until now. Okay. All right. Is it better to be feared or loved? Uh, feared. Okay. Thomas says feared. Grambles? Loved. Loved. Point Thomas. So I, what? I, but Why? I, to An be, extra point for buzzing in first. Thanks. I, to be fair, I do think he says it's better to have both. But if you have to choose one or the other, then fear is the one. I don't know if that's actually word, word for word right. That is pretty much exactly right. Cool. Um, he, can I? I, I shared I shared this with Graham after the uh, last episode when I destroyed him. I did. I took a class in business school where we read The Prince as like the textbook. So hopefully, I remember something. Did. Of course, yeah. business school reads this. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was this plus a book on advocacy. I think was the name of. Did the you book, read Cyril the Great from Xenophon? <laughs> no, of course, no, not. of course not. You read no, the Machiavellis. One hundred percent. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, he says it's best to have both, if you can have both, right? To be both loved and feared. Yeah. But if you err on one side, you better err to being feared. Why? But not hated, mm. which is part of it. Feared, not hated, and there's a difference. Um, the If you are err on the side of loved, it'll be great until times of necessity come. And then those bonds that are basically given only on men's words and ties of love, those dissolve pretty quickly, and they'll be ready to offend you because what are you going to do? Right. They'll leave you in, in a lurch. Right. Saving their own family. They love you. But man, you got to fend for yourself. Whereas if you're feared, they're not going to cross. They you. probably will not cross you yeah. because they know that there's retaliation coming. And right. so it is better to be feared in that way because people will be less likely to offend you and you have to fear less from them. Man. But it's better to have both if you can. I hate the fickle love of man. Yeah, right? <laughs> wow. But that does, people often accidentally conflate the two, that being feared yeah. and hated is the same thing. Mm. He says you have That's to... a great point. You have to not be hated, right? There's a difference between being a Harkonnen, right? Mm-hmm. Which is being mm. hated and feared, mm-hmm. right? That's a Dune reference. You're going to get stabbed. You're going to be on your little flying fat machine. Yeah, you're going to, like, mm-hmm. they'll mess with you and do horrible things to you. And man, they're hated rulers as opposed to somebody like Stilgar. Right. Mm. Is this also a Dune mm-hmm. reference? It's another Dune reference. He rules his people with, like, he's a solid warrior mm-hmm. and he's definitely feared, but he's just. He's new. And he's not hated. There's a difference. And so the way you avoid being but hated. Fear is a mind killer. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, you got to kill so everybody's confused. mind a little bit. So confused. Uh, so the way you're doing this, this is by not touching the goods or the women of the men that you defeat and of your own people. So if you start stealing everybody's stuff and taking everybody's ladies... They're going to hate you. They're going to hate right. you. They're going to get pretty cranky. But you can dispense justice swiftly and surely and solidly while still being just, right? And we will talk about kind of... I think I think they're, 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 uh, it comes up later how to do this. Let me see if it does. Hold on one second. Uh, should we build a fortress and go about being well-liked? Okay, yes, it will come up later. So, three to two for Thomas? Yeah. Yeah, oh, no. three to two, Thomas. Didn't he get the first one? You got one point. But oh, you got, got it wrong. Yeah, one point. Yep. Sorry, nailed it. Yep. Okay. This, I feel like this one should be an easy one, so maybe the buzz-in is going to be the, the ticket here. Should a prince always keep his word? Yes. Nah. Uh, one nah. point, Graham. <laughs> you can lie. You need to. No, you got to really? lie. Is that true? Yeah, lie if necessity demands it. I mean, you if you can, keep the reputation for keeping your word. But if the conditions that made you want to give your word are gone, you should no longer keep your word. If it's advantageous to you, break it, right? He says, and this is where he get, there's like a kind of a long discussion about how a man should fight. And he says, look, you can fight like a human with words and laws, and you can fight like an animal with cunning and violence. Yeah. And so we should fight with cunning and violence, 
like, and this is why, this is a fun little classical reference. This is why every hero is trained by Chiron, hmm. who is half man and half animal, hmm. because that's the way that you should fight. Interesting. You shouldn't keep men, you shouldn't keep your word when other men are going to break their word to you, right. right? If there's no more reason to keep your word, yeah. you should not keep then your word. Then you're Ned Stark, and then you get your head chopped mm. off at the end of book one. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly right. Okay, let's see if I, I have a couple of quotes here. I'm not sure I totally want to read them. Let's see. Wait. <laughs> Yeah. The book's okay, but not that great. No, I'm just not sure if it's worth the time to read it. I, I marked out some quotes, but... Yeah, it's fine. We don't, we don't have to read this bit. Okay. It's not quite as fun. Okay. So right now it's tied three to three. <sighs> so he says down. a man should imitate, imitate animals. What two animals are those that he should imitate? The leopard. Okay. Do you think so? Yeah. He changes pots. Okay, that's that's one. And also, uh, can I say the lion? Okay. Are you thinking of another one? But two, there are two animals, right? two yeah. animals that you should m- imitate. Uh, I just I just hear like uh, Bruce Lee saying like, "Be like water." <laughs> that's not. That's not. Animal. Water is not an animal. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Like Mother a Earth, bro. <laughs> it's like, that doesn't wait. Hold on. Be like a like a dolphin or something. And a, a dolphin and a leopard. Yeah, I'll take a lion and a snake. Okay, one point, Thomas. Yes. For what? For the lion. Crown load. Uh, it is a lion and a fox. Huh. You need to be violent, Come but on. also cunning like my, a fox. My snake one was pretty good. Then leopard the snake is pretty I'm good. Just saying. And I don't know any leopard who can actually change know, but their that's, spots. But that's you're the, thinking of a chameleon. Uh, no, that's, oh, that's that's the story told the, about the them. leopard changing yeah. their spots. Is the old the old tale? The leopards can change. Yes, whatever. Yeah. No, you're right. The only reason I guess that is that Lindy Man posted a map of where. Anyway, lions apparently are a really common reference for animals. Anyway, there's your fun fact for the day. Uh, nailed it. So okay. am, I, am, I, am I winning now? Thomas, you are up by one. I'll take it. Great. Dolphins. Not dolphins. Not I'm so sorry. sorry. They're very intelligent, but yeah, but I mean, maybe they're, they say fishermen. the equivalent of the fox, I guess. No, they're cunning. Nope. Stop. No, no, no. I, but they're so happy. I'm the only one who gets the point. Let's, maybe. as long as we agree on that. Oh yeah. You're not going to get a point out of this. You oh, can't argue you. for Good. it. Okay, great. The question was what, not what should we imitate, <laughs> but what does he say we should imitate? Sure. Okay. Dolphin Next is a great one. answer if it's one we should imitate, right? Oh, absolutely. They seem so happy. They're so happy. And they play around with a little... you seen them, like, knock pufferfish around in the water? Yeah. Like a little Is baseball? that really a thing? I've never yeah, seen that. Yeah, they, like, little... little. They <laughs> boop them around like little volleyballs, partially because when they hit it, the uh-huh. pufferfish apparently gives off some toxin uh-huh. that makes dolphins wildly intoxicated. <laughs> okay, great. So they basically boop around a pufferfish like a volleyball until it gets them crazy high, and then they <laughs> swim around in the ocean. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Okay. Cool. I learned something. So, fun things about nature. Good. All right. How does one best avoid assassination? Uh, I know that that's a really broad question. So yeah. I'm going to say that there are two points. on. Let, let's say up to five points oh on this question because it's a pretty broad one. You build up an elaborate spy network amongst mm. the street urchins. That's a great answer. Okay, street urchin spy network. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, like a, um, a, a, a military unit that is... Uh, uh, highly trained and and deeply feared by the people. So I surround myself with strong men who yeah, no one would want would want to mess like with. Like those red stormtroopers. Yes, I would. <laughs> I want red stormtroopers with the double lightsabers or whatever they have. Okay. Uh, no points for either of Ooh, you. What? Okay. What? Elaborate spy network of street urchins? Come on. That does sound so charming, though, it doesn't cool. it? Yeah. yeah. Like. 
come here, pocket. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got for me today? And he'll give something. He's going to stab you. And you give him a biscuit. <laughs> Where'd he go? Thanks, governor. <laughs> Off he runs. Oh, man. What a little turncoat. What does he say? <laughs> yeah, what does he say? He says that the best defense is to be loved by the populace. Oh, oh be loved, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Thomas can go get before. stabbed for being feared, but yeah. I'm not going to be assassinated. He says, be both if you can. Right. But here's the thing. The reason it's good to have the people on your side is that if you... Assassins have all sorts of obstacles right. that they have to overcome. Yeah. Right? They must be suspicious of everyone they include because every new right. person is a possible traitor that will sell them out. Right? If you are loved by the people already, then that even that exacerbates that problem, right? Every new person they bring in may love you and might turn them in, number one. And number two, once they assassinate you, they're going to have to deal with a populace that loved the previous ruler, you, mm-hmm. and now they have to sort of win over. And there, he gives all sorts of examples where a group assassinated a leader and then because the people loved them, they got turned on and killed. One example of this that I know you guys probably know is Julius Caesar. Mm. Right. They assassinated Caesar, but the people loved him. Right. And because Antony quickly swayed them with a good, good old speech, they turned and eventually all those guys kicked it. Yes. It, but Caesar still died. I guess the point is that the assassin will be dissuaded from it because they don't want to die themselves. I guess is that the. Yes, that's okay. the point. Okay. And he, he does say that there mm. is no way there is always a risk Street of issues. individual men who hate you. Yes. Right. Like there is a story about a guy that was hated by pretty much everybody. He was an awful person. And he kept this fella in his personal guard who had right. consistently threatened him. Like, I'm going to kill you. Right. And he eventually, I think he killed that guy. Oh. And that guy's brother was also part of the army. And then once while they were just standing in council, he walked up and just killed him. Wow. And he's like, you can't really prevent that or see it coming. Right. The best defense is to have everybody around you love you. And he shouldn't have kept that brother around after the guy threatened his life. Sure. Like, he should have sent him away from his personal guard rather right. than having to kill him later. Sure. So there are measures you can take to keep good people around you that like you. Yep. And then if you are liked by the populace, the chances that there's going to be some random errant guy that hates you right. is less because people are more likely to defend you. Sure. No, that's fair. That's a good answer. Yeah. So be liked by the people. Yeah. I uh, Wait, is my elaborate spy network of street urchins not being liked by the people? <laughs> You didn't say why they're a part of the network, I'm right? Paying them you don't really, you do you need an elaborate spy network if the people like you? you give them crackers and stuff. You know? <laughs> That's I, in all honesty, this is one where I was like, you disagree eh, with this? Kind of. Really? Why? I mean, I feel like you've, maybe the best thing is to be loved by the people and to be a good example and somebody, somebody that everyone else wants to emulate and keep around. But man, a spy network sure sounds useful, doesn't Super it? Useful. Sure. Super useful. Anyway, whatever. But it also implies that you don't trust your people. Right. Yeah, that's true. If anybody finds out about your little street, ur- street urchin spies, right. well, number one, no one's going to tell the street urchins anymore anything, right? We talked last time about if Fish given the urchins. option, like uh, attaining power by being conniving isn't the best way to do it, right? So you're, if your network of street urchins is what got you into power, you don't want that kind of reputation, right? And you don't want to keep double-minded people around yep. you all the time. Because they'll betray you eventually, right? Yeah, so he says, like, maybe you have to use those people to get into power, but right. you're not going to raise them to high station yeah. because it, they are perpetually dangerous, sure. right? So really, we should take a point away from Graham for how bad that idea was? Is that... Ooh. No, Ooh, we yeah. shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so there's that one. The best way is to be loved. Okay. This Love. is kind of a fun question and might get us into some NRA discussion. Should you arm or disarm your subjects? Take away their arms or arm them? You should arm them. 
if your first move going in is to take away their weapons, they'll see it as you taking control and they will revolt. Think of, you know, in the modern day context, any, um, any kind of move to try and regulate around the second amendment has immediate, uh, blowback to the, um, to politicians that say those things. So you should arm them. Okay. Mm. Graham, do you agree? Come on, Graham. Arm, arm what your do you populace? think, buddy? Uh, what do I think Machiavelli says? Yeah. I think Machiavelli says take away their weapons. Because then they're going to be more dependent on you. Okay. To, like, you protect to them, them and stuff. Okay. Yeah. He's got to do it, you know, in a little way. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. <laughs> so don't be too obvious yeah, about it. Yeah, don't be too obvious about it. Just be like, you know. Everybody tra- hand in your sword and I'll give your, them back yeah, Thursday. Trade in your sword for a tax break. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of stuff. Because no one will catch on to that. Yeah, yeah, it works. We'll make them into plows, everybody. Totally. Free plow. Swords and, swords and swords like, we That's need right. to borrow your swords. Yeah. We need to borrow them. It's really, really urgent. It's, it's really, really urgent important. that we borrow everybody's sword. We'll give them back. And they're like, but we're your soldiers. Pay no and attention like, to that. Like, uh, I'll oh, get new soldiers. We got some bad news. We lost them. <laughs> we lost all your swords. <laughs> we'll get you new ones. It's weird. No, I like that. And then instead of a new sword, we'll just, you know, give you tactics. Here's about, a nice ball. You can yeah. bounce on <laughs> Is it about arming your soldiers or about arming, like, everyone in your city? Yes. Okay, I, either way. I mean, well, at this your point, soldiers, we're talking about city-states in Italy. And so your, your soldiers would probably be your populace, okay. especially because he, as he advocates earlier, using mercenaries, mm. bad idea. No good. But the thing is, if you, the soldiers have the arms and they can be training with them and they can have them, I don't know. I'm, I really don't know what he's going to say. I'm you want like a well-defended populace. Yeah. And if you give them a weapon, they get used to it. I'm trying here. Come on. Two points, Thomas. Yes. Oh, you man. should absolutely arm them so long as it is a new state and you're a new prince or it's hereditary. They will enjoy the rewards and recognition of being armed, right? You're sort of elevating them and right. saying, look, you deserve to be an armed member of this state. And not only that, it shows that you trust them. Right. To take away yeah. everyone's arms implies, oh boy, I'm going to do some stuff to you guys and you better buckle up for all the stuff I'm going to do to you because th- now you can't fight back. Sure. Right, which shows that you distrust your populace and you are preparing basically to be horrible to them. Nailed it. Yep. Guys. Nailed it. Bummer. Yep. What's the score right now? Can we just enjoy this moment? Okay. What about... You did go to MBA. You did an MBA. What's the score right now? Right now it is... Ooh, it's a six to three? Six to three. Wow. Okay. Yeah, six three. Thomas. Rough. What about an acquired state? One that I have recently defeated. No, yeah, they do not get armed. Uh, two points, Graham. They don't get armed. One point, Thomas. <laughs> I love this game so much. <laughs> I feel like you're playing the system, Thomas. I don't Look, know what, how you're You're the doing one who answered right away. I don't know why you did that. Look, I'm just taking advantage. <laughs> it's just practical to do things like that. Because if I answer right yeah, at the you, top. You get the extra point. I get the extra, you get the extra point. point. I still get one I got, point. I, I should stop I, Why would I give away that answer. point? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. What happened once? Well, uh, yeah. Graham hit it nail on the head. Uh, d- disarm Obviously, them. Yeah, Giving them yeah. weapons is a really bad idea, right. especially if a faction inside the state helped you to take the <laughs> right, state in the first place. If you take it and you're sure. the, all these guys are double minded and were sort of dissatisfied with the government, it do, chances are they're going to be dissatisfied with your government too. And so letting them keep swords and armaments is a real bad idea. Sure. So take all that stuff away from them. Good job, Graham. Okay. Here's a fun one. Yeah. I like this one. Okay. How, how much, how are we doing on time, Thomas? That's a great question. You're 27 minutes. Okay. That's about right. Okay. Should we build fortresses or not? Just like when? Like, huh? Just like, have I just taken over this you've, new place? You've have got I, a state. Fortresses, yes or no? 
Yes. I like fortresses. I need them to keep my state. No, I say no because it costs a bunch of money and I have to arm them and it moves my people away from the city where I am. And I'd rather keep my power concentrated. Okay. I'm going to give a point to both of you. Oh, the answer is kind of, yeah, it (laughs) depends. Uh, Which is what Thomas said. He's like, well, what under what context? That was my first. You are you arguing for me to give him another point? What is going on with you? No, no. I care about justice. Thank you. I think the one point each is spot on. <laughs> I mean, like if Grandma's going to argue for it, I'll give you another point. Cry out loud! <laughs> you argue you, for you it. Did you this. just said you yeah, care about true. justice. I do care about justice. Okay, great. I'm like Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> uh, okay, it depends. If your people love you, you probably shouldn't worry about it. Okay. Um, most of the time, fortresses were great for avoiding death by people. Like, that's why they had them, was so that the royal family could run away from their own populace and sort of hold themselves up in this fortress. Because you're not going to fit your whole populace in this little fortress, right? Right. It's for your family, once everyone turns on you. So it doesn't really look very good if you're building all these fortresses against your own people. And by the way, once your whole family is holed up in a fortress because the people hate you, you're you're kind of hosed because there's going to be no shortage of foreigners that that, that will come to their aid. Right. And like, what are you going to last them out? Like, you're kind of sunk already, right. and so the point of a fortress is not really helpful, but it's something, right? Right. If the people hate you, it's something. And <laughs> if the people love you, they're going to defend your state either either way, right? Right. Like, it doesn't matter. Every, every house that the enemy comes upon is going to house somebody with a sword because you've armed them, and you can call them out to the field of battle. The field of battle isn't full of fortresses anyway, usually. Right. So, eh. Just, I mean, it depends. It depends, right? Sure. That's kind of the answer. Personally, you think build the fortress? I think build the fortress. Really? Why? Uh, because they're easily defensible positions. I don't know why we're even arguing about this, right? If you arm your populace and then make it big enough that the populace can take shelter uh, and then launch attacks from a better, well-fortified sure. position, especially if they're military barracks, I say yes, build them. Don't build one sure. that you and your family can be like, hoo-hoo, right. heck with the people, we're going <laughs> to sure. stay here and eat you know, pie. Right. I think it should be military barracks. And then basically you're, you're making up embankments that you can defend yourself. But then wouldn't you just fortify your city, like build higher walls around all your people, make them all feel safe. Oh yeah. I guess that's fair. Uh, Yeah. That's kind of what I was imagining was a city wall. Yeah. Well, it's not abandon this pie fortress idea. (laughs) Wait, let's come back to that one. (laughs) I mean, why not just make pie for the whole city? Like have a city that is fortified by pies. Mm. But you'd rather have cake though, right? Like, because cake is better. No, than pie. if I had an oh. option, I'd have pie. Instead really, you'd pick pie. Oh, oh, yeah. oh yeah. I think objectively, Easily. you both are wrong. Oh, okay. I think I think the best option here is like a shepherd's pie, right? Where you oh, got... that's like an actual meal. Yeah, yeah. sure. With like yeah. ground beef, dude. <laughs> yeah. Have you some mashed potato? Are there? you not Come a on. shepherd's pie fan? I am, but if I'm like, if we're talking dessert, well, I mean, we're, we're I'm just pie. talking like pie yeah. and cake Easy. in general. Easy I will there. take shepherd's pie over any other option every time. Pastry or mashed potatoes. Graham, AJ, before we go any further, I want to thank our Patreon sponsors for making this episode possible. Uh, Our Patreon sponsors support us at one of four levels. I'm going to go through them right now because I think many people listening, they want to be a part of this as well. They want to become patrons as well. Uh, We have a $2 a month tier. Those are Ghibellines at $2 a month. You get access to all of our episodes ad-free. You also get access to previous uh, uh, content that we've done mostly at uh, conferences, um, so you get ap- uh, access to many other uh, bonus episodes as well. At $10 a month, you get access to our our uh, in-between episodes, which we record after every single episode that we record. You also get access to our monthly AMAs, which I think are really funny, and some of our best content. 
In addition to all the same benefits at the $2 a month tier, you get access to ad-free episodes. Above that, at the $20 a month tier, you uh, at that point are giving input into the podcast. You are helping us come up with future topics to come up with future merchandise in addition to all benefits from the tiers below that. And finally, and you heard about this uh, in recent episodes, we have added a Helios' Acolytes of Love tier at $100 a month. At this level, you are a true believer and you are the most faithful of our listeners. At this tier, you get all the benefits from lower tiers. You also get... I can't believe I'm saying these words that you get a Helios Acolytes of Love crew neck sweatshirt. You get Helios Acolytes of Love Crocs and you get uh, a free uh, copy of all future merchandise as we create it. So incredible, incredible benefits at this, at this level that is only for $100 a month. You can find all of this at patreoncom slash classical stuff. Thanks again to our patrons and um, thank you all for listening. What? Pastry? pastry or mashed potatoes? Like a shepherd's pie with pastry or a shepherd's pie with the mashed potatoes? Don't you put potatoes? the mashed potatoes? Oh, like mashed potatoes as the crust? Yeah, yeah. Well, then you're losing out on the Wait, crust, and the, the crust pastry. is the best okay, bit. So you want the pastry. Pastry, obviously, yeah. yeah. Okay. A pastry shepherd's pie is the best pie. Sure. I uh, wouldn't say that. What pie beats it? Cherry? Yeah, cherry pie cherry is the, pie's great. Cherry pie is the best. Oh. Some, you never know whether it's going to be sweet or tart. It's always a surprise. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, part it's of the amazing. fun, right? Yeah, I don't understand. Gee, my cherry pie. Thanks, Graham. Looks so good makes a grown man cry. Come on. All right. That's what is that? Really creepy. Yeah. White Snake is not White Snake. No, who sang that song? I don't know. I don't know. I was like four. <laughs> it's not great. <laughs> I don't like this. This is going great. I still like the idea of fortresses. Seems like a good idea, but I guess practically they're not as good as just having really good walls around your city. That's what it sounds like. Okay. Warrant. I don't even know that band. What is it called? Warrant. Warrant. Their name is Warrant. Were they a one-hit wonder? Must have been. Must have just sing about cherry pie. Was that their whole thing? <laughs> Nineteen ninety. That's when that song came out? Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I thought it was before that. So, okay. Graham, I'm going to re- reveal something that is maybe going to make you self-conscious, but it's one of my favorite qualities about Uh-oh. you. It's the way you say 90. Huh? Say you it again. say 90 without any T or D. It's 90. Yeah. Like nine-ish. In what, a 90. In what, in what year did that song come out? 90. <laughs> <laughs> you say 90. I know. 90? I, I but I say Toronto. Wonderful. I say Toronto without the T in there, too. I know. It's great. Canadians do it. I love really? it. Really? Toronto, 90. Uh, this isn't a calling you out. It's just feel letting you know out. that I appreciate it. I feel it's, called out. It's a it's a little you Canadian. It's not wrong. It's like a nuclear family. I say big. 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 <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. How do you go about, as a prince, becoming well-liked? Now, remember. Pie. Yeah, pie uh, is a great answer. Generosity is not necessarily no. the way to do it. That's right. Um, well-liked, being just. Okay. That's my answer. Ding, 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 just. Oh, but like, uh, keeping the rules, keeping the law, having laws at work. Okay. I think yeah, you're you're onto the right thing. It's you lower taxes. No, we don't lower taxes. We keep them the same, or at least that's what we did last time. You need to show that again, a sign of strength. That Prop you're, up the stock market. Ah, there's an answer. Uh, uh, QE. No, um, like to some sort of show of strength to show the people that you will protect them well. That what again? Are, are we taking over a new kingdom? So Thomas's answer is military parades. Yeah. Just okay. let, the, let the record show. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, well, yeah, something to show that life will be good under you, i.e. you can protect them. They're not going to lose their land, their property, their whatever. So. Okay. Mm. I'll, I'll take full credit. It's okay. Oh, is Graham the correct I feel answer? like it's like one point each. <sighs> what's, the, what's the answer? But don't I get a point the for answer? The answer is great first? deeds. But, but, you but he kind of makes it real vague about how you go about doing great deeds. For example. So if I said just do friggin' cool stuff, you would have given me two points? Yes. <laughs> 
Because that's, I mean, that's literally the answer. <laughs> what he says? Okay, great. I, I will read you the first sentence of this chapter. Nothing makes a prince so ex- esteemed as when he personally accomplishes things rare and exemplary. <laughs> that's really the answer. Okay, that's, great, I'm not great, kidding. Great. Like, great deeds, just killing it. I killed so, the white stag. <laughs> yeah, yes, that. Okay, so a little extra thing. It also helps a prince. It's so like Kim a, Jong-il, like, propaganda videos of him, like, yep. riding a unicorn. Yep. Yeah, or what's his name? Putin riding that horse shirtless. <laughs> mm. Rare okay. and exemplary. I think it worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's he's been a meme all over the place. Okay, it also helps a prince a great deal to give rare examples of his abilities in domestic government, like those which are recounted of Mr. Barnobo of Milan. When it happens that someone does something extraordinary, whether for good or ill in civil life, the prince should choose a method of rewarding or punishing him that will be much talked about. And above all, a prince must strive in his every action to give the impression of himself as a great man of and one of exceptional intelligence. So be smart. And if you're going to dispense justice, which is why I gave you guys kind of like the, the military parade is right. kind of an exemplary of thing, right? right? And then the dispensing justice well is true. But if you're going to dispense justice, do it in a way that's going to be public and well talked hmm. about, right? Like if you're going to if you're going to execute somebody... Do that stuff in public yes, and right. do it in some crazy way. That's out fair. of a cannon or something. Yeah, and if you're going to reward somebody, do it publicly and mm. in some crazy elaborate way where people are going to talk about it for a long time. They'll talk right. about how just you are or how great you are. Did you give him the extra point since he answered first? It, was, it wasn't a very good answer. Though. Oh, okay, good. No. Okay. <laughs> Answering first with a moderately correct answer. I mean, sure. Both of us were moderately correct, though. Yeah, I'll give, I'll give okay. an extra point. Thanks. Okay. Feels good, man. Yeah. <laughs> Justice feels good. Feels good. good. You did it in a public okay. way. We all love you. No one's oh, gonna, thank you. That's what I was trying to do. No one's going to stab you now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> hey, um, all right. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay. And one other way that you can sort of give yourself these great deeds is by how you act when two people, not you, are kind of warring with each other. And he, he talked about it as if it's other states, but it could also be people inside your own government. How do you act when two people, maybe your, na- your neighboring city-states, are at war. Do you stay neutral? Do you declare a position? What do you do? You send aid to both of the oh, widows really? and orphans. Send aid to both? Uh, neutral. Why would I want to take sides? Uh, yes, yeah, stay neutral. Why would you want to take sides like day two that you've been in control? It's just uh, you're committing more resources. Eh, both wrong. <laughs> uh, you need to take a side. Oh. Always take sides. Really? But you need to avoid allying yourself to the one to anybody more powerful well, than you because you'll remain in his power. Wait, so like side with the side with the sucky house? Yeah. Side with sucky house if you can. Really? Well just I mean okay. if if neither of them are more powerful than you, then you can side with whichever you please. Yeah. But you always need to declare. So tip them scales. Yeah. If hmm. you need if you remain neutral, what happens is they both kind of despise oh. you because you didn't come to their aid. That's fair. And someone in this in this little battle is gonna get stronger. And then he's not going to like you very much because you didn't really come to his aid. And now you've got a powerful enemy to worry about. Whereas if you choose sides and your side wins, well, that guy's not really going to come and defeat you next because you aided him in his time of need, right? No one's that crass. Hmm. And if it's a guy that if you side with the guy who loses, well, he's going to take you under his wing if he can. And you never know when his fortune might change. It's true. Right? It is better than remaining neutral. And here I have an example. You know what, AJ? I just want to let you know that... (laughs) I got you. Thanks, buddy. If anything wait, happens... Is there a feud between the two of us right now? If anything what? happens... Wait, I don't, wait, hold on. I just want you to know that I, I'm on your... I got you. I feel like I should give a point to Graham. Am I about to get yeah. stabbed? <laughs> so here's an example, and it, 
it talks about how these things kind of played out. Antiochus went to Greece, being sent there by the Aetolians to drive out the Romans. He dispatched orators to the Achaeans, who were friends of the Romans, to encourage them to remain neutral, while on the other side, the Romans were urging them to take up arms. The matter came to be deliberated in the council of the Achaeans, where the legate of Antiochus urged them to remain neutral. So there are these two guys, the Antiochus guy and the Roman guy, which are both trying to get the Achaeans on their side, right? Mm -hmm. Antiochus wants them to remain neutral so he can fight the Romans, and the Romans are like, hey man, get get in on this. Right. And to which the Roman legate replied... As to what these men are saying about how you should not get involved in the war, nothing is farther from your interests. Hmm. Without thanks, without dignity, you will be the prize of the victor. Wow. If you don't get involved, whoever wins is going to come and take over you. If you do get involved, you are no longer the prize. And that is what he advocates here. This is one of the ways to sort of establish great deeds for yourself is, yeah. man, you, you have to declare a side. What if I'm on the wrong side? Right? Like, it's, don't I get wiped out anyway? Like... Aren't I increasing my risk by taking a side? Yeah, but I mean, the, the fight isn't necessarily totally with you and your risk is there. Okay. And that's what the thing is. If you think oh, I'm going to hedge my bets and kind of stay out of this and hope that it turns my way, right. you are basically letting someone else get powerful enough mm. to defeat you sure. without having lent no, them any help. That's fair. Sure, sure. And chances are, if you join up with somebody, they're going to be a lot stronger, right? right? Sure. And you're, you're, the chances of them winning are far higher okay. with you in their corner that's rather fair. than you sort of sitting things out. Sure, that makes sense. So staying out of the war... Bad idea. Got to take sides, right? You got to do something. Sure. Which is kind of, if, if I was a personal ruler, that would be absolutely not what I would do. Exactly. Same here, right? I tend towards neutrality every time, yeah. right? I want someone to be measured and deliberate and not, you know, compulsive right. and doing stuff by the cuff and right. jumping into wars that aren't their own. Right. But apparently that's the best way. And that, you know, that kind of rings true. Sure. To hitch your wagon to the winning, to... No, he was saying, and this one, like, Allying with Rome makes sense, but he was saying to ally with the weaker one so that the weaker one has like. Well, if you can win, if you can win by if you can win by allying with allying with them, yeah. I don't think he would say to ally with the clear loser in a situation. Um, Hmm. I think I don't know. All right, so what about if they're weak neighbors? If no matter who wins, then you ally with the other one. So wait, they're both weaker. Than they're you? both they're both weaker than you. If one of them wins, they still won't be big enough to take take over. Do you remain neutral or do you take sides? Still take a side. Hey, so, you remain neutral on that one. But you want to make let friends. them fight it out, and then you can just come in and mop it up. Two points, Thomas. Still take a side. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, what's a, what's it going to hurt you? Right? Like so you'll get all the benefit from having helped somebody, yeah. and uh, and you know they can't come take over you. So it's like win win win. Right. You know, you can't lose in that situation. Just pick somebody and help them out. Maglandia is truly conquering Donsulvania, Vampire Landia, whatever it's called. Donsulvania is having a rough time here. <laughs> yeah, you're not killing it. I, you know what I, sh- yeah, I, I think so far Thomas has been the better ruler. This is why I suck in trouble. Crusader Kings too. <laughs> this is why <laughs> you're always like, hmm. Yes, remain neutral. Okay, and now we get into how to conduct yourself at court. Oh, how do you I recognize? Graham, Graham's going to win this one. I got oh. This. oh yeah, Graham. I think you've, I think you've got this one nailed. And I'll, I'll say this one is worth three. Ugh. How do you recognize a bad minister, someone who's a secretary that you should get rid of? How do you recognize? Like, how do you, how do you, you figure it? out that he's bad? How do you figure out that he's somebody that has to go? He's friendly with opposing kingdoms. So, well, actually, maybe I'm not understanding. So when you say at court, you mean I sit on my fancy throne, like 
how do I tell there that he is a bad minister? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to He's, be like in the room, but uh-huh. how, when you're conducting your day-to-day affairs, how do you recognize that somebody who is supposed to be a secretary for you Oh, is, he's overly, is someone he, that has to He's go. overly flattery towards me. He flatters me, and he always like agrees with me. That's okay. my answer. Um, like, they're never, like, it's whether they're there or not. Like, do they do their work, or are they only there because they're a famous family or something like that? So are they present in court? Do they do the work of minister? Okay, I'm going to give one point to Thomas. I'm sorry, Graham. You'll, I, I feel like you'll like the next question. I don't know. Wait, why would you say that? Hold on, wait. The, on. the actual answer is if they consider themselves to be more intelligent than you, oh. that's a problem. True. And if they ever pursue their own interests above yours. True. If they take half a second and they, and they are out for themselves, they have to go. True. Because that kind of person will, will drop you as fast as yep, they can if it ever is a situation where they can. Sure. And to make sure that you hold your ministers close and they never turn into that sort of person is you've got to reward them, right? Mm. Make your affairs their affairs sure. and graft them to your soul as much as you can. Sure. Reward them, honor them as they serve you. You need to elevate them, right? So when they seek your interests, they are seeking their own, right? They don't have a chance to seek their own in- interests. But if they're ever like, ah, you're a fool, I'm smarter than you are, they're gone. You got to get rid of that person because they have a disdain for you. And right. when when push comes to shove, they're going to drop you because they don't respect you. That's a pretty good answer, right? Like I, that one seems spot on. That one like really does seem spot on to me. Yeah. The moment a minister thinks himself smarter than you and, and pursues his own interests, like sure. he's got to go. You but, can't keep that guy but around. But isn't it a good thing to have someone who thinks he's smarter than you and you know this? Like you've got, you've read his hand. Like you know what he thinks about you. And so if you keep him around, like you've got him, you've got him cornered, like you've got him figured out. But I would rather have a loyal person figured out than a disloyal person figured out. Right. And then have them close to me. Right. I'd rather have the number of some guy who really loves me and really wants to serve his state as a close minister rather than someone who will betray me when the moment comes. No, I know. I'm just thinking like it's it's tremendously valuable to have something known. So like if you, if you know that this guy thinks he's smarter than you and you get rid of him, you're now bringing in somebody that you've got to figure out. And now you're kind of in a more vulnerable situation than you were before of somebody that you know. So the the devil, you know, rather than the devil. Exactly. I think that's fair, but (laughs) I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good answer. But if you have the option between the two and you know, both, I would rather know both. Although (laughs) from talking to people that understand statecraft, someone's vices are the way that you get at them. And if the, their vice is pride, like knowing how to bend that to your own will is incredibly valuable. But that's the thing. I don't mind having that guy at court. I do mind having that guy as one of my close ministers. Sure. sure. That's like, a good point. I don't mind having that guy around. I don't want him running my close affairs. Sure. Hmm. I'm it, trying to think about your vices and how I can get to you guys. <laughs> well, yours is cake, obviously. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. And mine is shepherd's pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have no vices, so... Yeah, you, Thomas is perfect. Thomas is pretty smart. Yeah. Okay. Smarter than the two of you. No, it's not true. Definitely not true. Okay. Which leads, the fun thing is Graham's answer leads us directly uh. into the next question. How do you avoid flattery at court? Right? Flattery is one of those things that's going to get you into trouble every time. Yeah. So what do you do? How do you conduct your court such that flattery is not the thing that you get? You reward dissenting opinion. Yeah. At some level. Okay. This is too specific, but like hire, yeah. hire a jester, like hire someone who's there to yeah, get criticize you. Yeah. Okay. And a little slave boy to whisper in your ear. Yeah. Like you will Limit die. Morning, yeah. And, and don't kill that person. Don't kill that jester. Don't. Right. 
that, mm-hmm. that's along the same lines of what you're saying mm-hmm. of reward dissenters. But um, or every time that like as soon as someone flatters, like I don't know, chop a finger off or something. <laughs> oh man, Graham, good answers. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to award three points for that one because that was a hard question. So good job, Graham. Uh-huh. Part of it is to reward dissenting opinions. I love he says you, but th- there's a you weird. Love is that what you just said? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's a weird balance. You can't have it's everyone true. in court doing that. Yeah. I cannot surround myself with people who tell me their opinions all or the time. Or just contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. Right. Exactly, like, because I'm going to look weak. And we're going to have dinner. If, no, it's not time to eat. And especially if I decide on a course of action and then everybody gives their opinions and I kind of waver, yeah, yeah. that makes me look effeminate and then I'm, I'm doomed. Like I'm, I'm going to, well, at least, effem- sorry, I use that term because it's Machiavelli like uses, uses it, yeah, sure. right? Effeminacy in a king, according to Machiavelli, is to be deplored, weak. right? Gotcha. You don't want it. And so if you waver once you've decided on something because you are getting all these contrary opinions, that's really bad. Yep. And you can't have your whole court disrespecting you to your face and bringing up their opinions all the time. Sure. So what you do is you make a division. There are a close group of advisors that you keep nearby. And from them, you expect absolute honesty. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you reward when they tell you what they think. And you get angry if they hedge their bets and they flatter you. Right. And this way you train them up to always give their opinions. Sure. However, they don't give to give them freely. Yep. You must ask. You have to ask for their opinions. It's not I you get to mm. give your opinion willy nilly all the time. Right. I can I remain con- in control. But after establishing that, I ask their opinions constantly. Sure. Right. So establish that it has to be only when you ask, but ask all the time. And then from everybody else in court, they can flatter you all they want. Right. Right. But you expect it from them. But right? you, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's right. Their opinions yeah. don't really matter. You right. know, it's going to be flattery. Right. You are in charge. You maintain dignity. And once you decide on the course of action, up. you go. Right. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. The, the great thing is a lot of this, and this is where the wisdom of the king matters is that you need to be wise enough to know which advisors are telling you the good idea right. and which ones are telling you the bad idea. Yes. And if you are a dumb king, what's going to happen is you're going to end up having somebody that kind of runs all your affairs because they're smarter than you are, and but you're going to be short-lived right. because they're going to take your state from you right. because they're yeah. smarter than you are. And so he kind of a says king. a smart king is kind of just going to happen right. because if you're an unsmart king, you're not going to last very long. <laughs> right. right? Sure. And so he sort of depends on this as almost a premise, right? right. The king is going to have some amount of wisdom. Otherwise he's toast. Sure. And so you got to have advisors around you, but you have to be smart enough to know which opinions are the good ones because you're going to get a lot of dis- different opinions. Sure. Some of them good, some of them bad, and you need to know which ones to run with. And once you run, don't change course. Sure. You have to follow through. And I think that's smart, sure. right? That's, that's makes a lot of sense. Yep. Have some sort of inner circle you trust deeply. Um, and I like that idea of, again, you expect flattery from everyone else because you're king, right? Right. Like, the, yeah, and right. that's fine. Right. Right. But you need somebody to be honest with you. And yeah. so you have to reward it when it's honest right. and get angry when they lie. Sure. Yeah. I guess it's probably outside the scope of this. Does he say how someone gets into that inner circle? I don't know. Because that seems more akin to what he did, right? He went from essentially very little notoriety to advisor to the prince. Yeah, he really did. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, practical things. Okay, this this next chapter doesn't really have a question. Oh. Because I'm not sure how to make it into a question. Okay. I mean, the, the, the chapter is, okay, how does fortune play into all this? Chance. A lot of people say that chance rules everything, so you might as well just sort of hang out because chance is going to be the one that determines all of our affairs anyway. He disagrees. He says it's about half and half. I'm going to say. Chance yeah. is a part of things, sure. Sure. You can't control everything. But he, he envisions it kind of like a river. Right. There's this big river and you've got to either just sort of let yourself be swept up by it 
or you could build some dikes and some embankments and right. kind of try to direct the flow of the river when you can and prevent floods, right? right? So see down the range. That's about 50-50, really. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is that certain types of men will succeed at certain times. Mm. If sure. chance is feeling whimsical and everything is kind of up in the air, then the compulsive man, the man who just sort of throws caution to the wind and goes for it, is sometimes going to succeed. Right. Right? When chance wouldn't have rewarded the cautious man. Right. But there are times when that guy's going to get himself yeah, into like, trouble. Like because crypto. The, right. Exactly. Yes, like crypto. And sure. times where a cautious man is going to win, right? Mm. Like the dot-com bubble. Right. And mm. so there are times mm. when caution will win and there are times when, when throwing caution to the wind will win. But men are bad at changing between yes. those two because yes. they will have found success using one of those strategies yep. and will have a hard time flipping. And so if you can flip, that's great. Right. Chances are you you can't. Sure. And so really it's just 50-50 whether or not your time is one of those times that kind of aligns with your disposition, mm. whether cautious or sure. foolhardy. Is this when we announce the Helio Satellites of Love blockchain <laughs> the, the, the helios token get in now Ooh, yeah. it's get, at the beginning guys, let's get our own crypto helios, guys yeah. this is a great idea <laughs> hodl helios acolytes de love i like it okay and i'm gonna read you this paragraph with a with a disclaimer it is wildly sexist oh and I'm reading this just because we're going to throw it out there. And this is one of those elements of the old books. And this is, I think, of all the paragraphs in here that could get Machiavelli canceled, this is the one that would get him canceled. Okay. Again, to say, I am not sexist. This is a horrible paragraph. Okay. Uh, but I thought you my guys might find it interesting just as sort of an artifact of an earlier time. Okay. I conclude, therefore, that since fortune changes and men remain set in their ways, they will prosper as long as the two are in accord with one another but they will not prosper when the two are not in accord. I certainly think this, that it is better to be impetuous than cautious, for fortune is a woman, and it is necessary, if you wish to keep her down, to beat her and knock her about, and one sees that she lets herself be con conquered by men of this sort more than those who proceed coldly, and therefore, like a woman, she is always the friend of the young, and because they are less cautious, fiercer, and command her with more audacity." Yeah, that's a that's a nope. neck hole tugger. Nope, if I, nope, that's no. a, ugh, ugh. It's not a great paragraph. It's not. Uh, and the weird thing is, it really sticks out in this book. Oh, really? This kind of thing is not... Uh, almost every other section is just how to govern well, mm -hmm. how to do it. You don't run against any real racism, any real sexism, except this paragraph. And this paragraph, man, it sure sticks out like a sore thumb. It's rough. True. Uh, I guess you talked about effeminacy earlier also. So that's a... Something he will say throughout. Yeah, but I could say that that's that's kind of like he means indecisiveness, sure. right? But yeah. I guess that's a sexist term, sure. sure going through this book, yeah. but man, this is as blatant as it gets, sure. which is real rough. Is it related to anything before or after? Is it just kind of a random? That I mean, like I highlighted this paragraph because it just comes like, out, out of nowhere, nowhere. Yeah. and I think that's actually the end of the chapter. Yeah, that's the is end of really? that chapter. Okay. The final one is the last chapter is basically written to this new prince saying, oh. "Hey, man." Let's seize Italy. Like you have the wow. chance. The time is now. Sure. Let's go for Let's it. Do like it. you can, you can do it. And here's the way because the, the infantry of this army uh, is like, oh. so it's like really specific to, yeah, oh, he says, oh, okay. here's how you can do it. This infantry is really susceptible to cavalry. Uh -huh. This one is susceptible to anyone as fierce as them. Uh -huh. So really there's a way to take back Italy if you just do it. And here's how you do it. And then it ends with a really cool little last 
quote. This is written to the Medici that he dedicates the book to. Yes. Who never actually read the book. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, great. Yeah, he's basically exhorting them to take control, which is funny because he just wrote chapters about flattery. Uh, That's a good point. He's like basically saying, you are the savior we have been waiting for. (laughs) So please take over, which is kind of silly. And then he ends with a cool quote from Petrarch. And it is, valor against Fuhrer will take up arms and the combat will be short for ancient valor in Italian hearts is not yet dead. Hmm. Which is a real, that's a really cool quote. A bummer coming after the last paragraph (laughs) of the last chapter of the previous chapter. But that, that's kind of a cool thing to end on. It's this weird, you are our new savior. Please take Italy. I believe in Italy. Woo. At the very end. And you're the guy. Is that like the last line of the whole book? Yeah, that's it. That's that is the last line, which is kind of neat. It is. But, so I guess, uh, what's your takeaway on this thing after going through all of it? Is My this- takeaway is that it's, it is, whew, man, it assumes the evil of men uh-huh. and that men are going to remain evil and how to rule with practicality. And it makes me think, yes, this may be how to keep rule. And man, I don't ever want to be in that position. People I know that have been in statecraft talk about that. You have some things you, you just have to do for your job that are sort of a little unethical. I really don't like that idea. And I understand why people like the Athenian King Solon, who just wanted to farm and be virtuous was like, I will not be King because I don't want to be. That's something I don't really want to do. And I also don't envy the people who are in power in our own country. I Mm. I know that they are put in positions all the time when they have to make a choice that seems morally reprehensible, right? Rock in a hard place. There's no winning. And I, I don't want to be the one forced to make those decisions. I would rather live a peaceful life. Right. outside of power. Power is not worth that trade-off to me. Teach your English class, grow some vegetables. Exactly. I can rule my English class justly. <laughs> sure. I cannot rule a nation. I, I cannot rule a nation justly. I don't know Gosh. if I'm good enough. Right. Is that true? It's like, it, it is impossible to like virtuously rule? I don't... It seems like a big thing. I don't know if it's possible to virtuously rule for a long time. Okay. I think you can do it, but maybe for a short period because I think what happens, p- people might see it as weakness. And then because you will not go back on your word, they will twist that and use it against you. Sure. But then, no, there's, you get these stories of periods of virtuous rule. Well, no, I was hmm. I was going to say <laughs> Edward III, he had like a bunch of buddies. They were his best friends. They were his closest advisors. None of them ever betrayed them. But he also did like, he was the king that did the um, burgers of Calais. Right. So, I mean, he yep. did. He was cruel. In, but he was, you know. And you never know what happens behind closed doors. I don't know. It, it presents a pretty bleak picture of ruling. Sure. And I think there are better pictures if you read something like Cicero, but Cicero never ran the state. Right. Right? Yeah. And neither did some of the m- most honest people we think of way back then. And if we think of people like even like Hergus, who started Sparta. Right. Well, maybe it's... Well, I mean, he kind of took away everybody's money and gave them iron money in return. But maybe it's a sense of scale, right? Like... The the bigger the scale of the thing you're ruling, the less, like, it's easier to conceive of ruling a subdivision, like an HOA, uh, with justice, uh, with justice, than it is like the United States, the state of Texas, right. oh, sure. or right. the United yeah. States of America. You know, especially when territory's on the line. Yeah, I think now because territory doesn't change hands, at least with the with the big world powers, yeah. as quickly. It's. I just feel like the face of war has changed once you introduce nuclear weapons and, and robots, social media. Drones, right? Sure. Drones, social media, all those things mean that. I don't think you can yeah. have these big shifts in territory as much. Although there is like stuff like uh, Crimea, and are you saying it's a good thing when uh, land changes hands? 
No, I'm just saying that it's what I don't think Machiavelli could have conceived oh, of our sure. current world, right? Sure. Hunting doesn't help anymore. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. It, the war war looks different. Right. And even if I ally, my, ally myself with a weaker power, I, I, there's just so much more to consider, I think, now. Sure. It's interesting. Again, yeah, something for us to keep talking about in the in-between episode, for sure. But I yeah. don't know. Again, like, I just, it seems bleak to say that the, there's a certain level of influence where you can't wield that um, rightly. I don't know. It's, uh, it's super depressing. Yeah, exactly. And that's why he was villainized is because this put into practice makes a ruler a villain. And I don't yes. think people could deal with that. And so he he is consistently villainized after this book comes out. Yeah. But it is still sort of a touch point in political theory. Right. Which is crazy to me. Or like the creation of political theory. Yeah, right? exactly. I, I know you said last time that he separates the church from his book. I don't think that's because he thinks the church is like necessarily a more virtuous institution. Correct. He, he just actually says, says it's easier to rule if you run the church because religion is one of those things. Listen, that, right. Yeah. People listen. He also says that that is one of the ways that you maintain a love of a ruler is if you have to appear to be religious, even okay. if you're not. Mm, wow. Okay. That's interesting. I don't know if that's true anymore. Mm. Our rulers certainly claim religiosity. True. Yeah. I think it still matters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think I, I yeah, there, there, there's research into this of like, if someone were um, an avowed atheist, would you still vote for them? And I want to say that's one of the categories that the most people would not vote for. Mm-hmm. I think it's Pew Research that did that. So dang, I'd have to look it up. Anyway, yeah. hey, it says, that in, it says that in two Corinthians, right? So. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, sure let's tally them up. Yeah, let's two, get the points. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 for Graham. Oh, come on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, keep those. No, come on, keep going. 14 That's for up. Thomas. Thomas wins. 2-0, oh, right? So, Tom, so AJ, who are you going to align yourself with? The winner? Oh, Graham, obviously. Wait, hold on. No, wait, the underdog? Wait, no, no, you're powerful enough to take over. I don't want to. Oh, I'm okay with yeah. that. Good. Okay, as long as I can conquer both of you. you. Good deal. Um, cool. Well, this has been <laughs> Classical Stuff You Should Know with AJ, Thomas, and Graham. Uh, you can find us. You can email us at theguys at classicalstuff.net. Our website's at classicalstuff.net. Um, you can patronize us on Patreon. You can tweet at us at classical stuff, C L S S C A L stuff. And I will like and retweet what you say. Maybe not retweet. I'll like it. Um, if you ever having a Twitter beef, yeah. we'll take sides. We'll take sides. Yeah. We will go. We'll, we'll take the weaker side. Um, <laughs> no, and I, we sometimes retweet things or like do articles and stuff. Yep. Um, we don't write them. Gosh, I was gonna say, oh, was no, we re, um, anyway. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for listening. And, um, we continue these conversations in an after episode for our Patreon subscribers. So if you're like, oh man, I want to learn more about what they're going to talk about. You gotta, you gotta join the city state. There it is. Yep. All right, but this is us signing off. Bye. Bye.